0: Right around Australia, there are incredible Indigenous owned and run tech startups, changing communities from health to tourism to fashion. This NADOC week, you are going to meet a handful of First Nations founders, find out what are the barriers, what is the best way to make, well, heaps more of them. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell, and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed. It is a brand new episode of Download This Show. And before we get underway with today's panel, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land that I happen to be broadcasting on and pay respects to elders, both past, present and emerging. And we have a phenomenal panel of voices joining us. I want to start with Kayla Carthage. You are the founder and CEO of our Songlines, a Gurindji woman. Where are you joining me from today, Kayla?
1: I'm down on Bunurong land on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Beautiful place. Our Songlines is a digital platform, so it starts from the idea of wanting to make Indigenous education available for anyone who wants to view it. It's about providing an opportunity for anyone to log in, uh, find out the space that they're on, and find out a bit more about that culture from the Indigenous people.
0: Phenomenal. We'll hear more about it in just a few minutes. uh, But also joining us we've got christopher lawrence noongar man the creator of this my mob app but we'll
2: talk a little bit about how it's changed but welcome to the show christopher thank you for having me tell me where are you joining me from uh i'm on noongar nation land actually in bunbury western australia excellent
0: and finally branding out our panel dr kyle turner ceo and co-founder of pearly where are you joining me from kyle
3: Uh, i'm on wurundjeri country uh, here in melbourne Yeah, happy NAIDOC week. (laughs)
0: Happy NAIDOC week to you too. Happy week. Uh, And you're also a Wiradjuri man as well, I understand, Kyle.
3: I'm a Wiradjuri man, yeah, which is uh, born in Dubbo, uh, in central New South Wales. Fantastic. Well, Kyle, tell me about Pearly. Built Pearly about two years ago. Uh, We've only launched in May this year. It's taken a long time to build. It's free dental checkups. So we built some artificial intelligence that uh, scans photos of your teeth, which you take at home for free using your phone, You scan your mouth. And within about three seconds, the algorithm checks for a range of oral diseases. Wow! So how does it do that? What's it checking against? Um, yeah, so we've worked with a big group of dentists uh, here in Melbourne and overseas that've uh, labelled tens of thousands of uh, dental photos. We've taught a computer to look for like tooth decay, staining, gingivitis, things like that, to potentially uh, like spot diseases in your mouth at home um, for free. So it's, it's a precursor to going to the dentist. If you haven't been in a while, you can't afford it. Trying to be a bit of a bridge to help you get the treatment you need a bit earlier.
0: So where did the idea come from, Kyle?
3: Um, well, I have pretty shit teeth, if you can see right here. Uh, crooked, missing tooth, tooth decay, you name it, I've had it. So I grew up in a pretty poor family um, out back, lived in Aboriginal community housing growing up in uh, central New South Wales, and dental was pretty low on the um, taking order uh, when you're trying to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm paying for it now. It's fully preventable, most uh, oral diseases, uh, with just regular checkups and some really basic oral health education. So learn to brush twice a day, learn to floss. Uh, so I built Pearly to do something about that because the new tech could help so that no one else ends up with crap teeth like mine.
0: Understood.
2: Chris, tell me about This My Mob. Where was the origin of This My Mob? It was really about trying to understand uh, how technology can help close the gap for Indigenous Australians and... uh, I realised that, you know, um, there was a lot of uh, social media activity going on and there's a lot of mob on there putting up all their life stories. And so we I figured, you know, my team and I, that uh, we could uh, explore how technology could um, help address some of those issues. Some changes that have been made because of COVID. We decided to reskin the app, um, as they like to say in the tech <laughs> language. And um, we've actually uh, created a, an app for the Southwest Aboriginal Medical Service here in Bunbury, which is why I'm here. And the app is now called Swam's Mob App. The app has uh, the capability of connecting um, the service with their clients and their patients. Right. So if you open it up, what do you see? Well, you'll see your, well, you can create your own profile. So when you go in, you put your, obviously, all the demographics, but you also put your mobs, uh, where you come from, who your mob are, your language groups, um, your clans, your totems. Then you'll see, you'll get access into the um, into the app. Then when you open it up, you see a whole dashboard of health information, that is, which is the SWAMS um, mob, um, it's the Swam service, um, all their health programs. So you can choose which program you want to go into. There's all these different labels that open up. And when you open up, you get all this health information. And if you want to find out more, you can click on the URL. It takes you directly to their website. But if you want to call somebody, there's a you can call somebody um, all directly off your mobile phone. There's also a men's space and a women's space where male doctors and health workers can have direct um, access to male patients and the same for female patients. They can have direct access to female doctors and and healthcare workers and that's really to address some of those um, issues in that happen among um, Aboriginal men particularly and women around um, maternal child health and domestic violence and those issues that obviously we wanted to create these safe spaces where people can feel safe and they can talk about those things with professionals and have that kind of um, one-on-one but also group kind of, um, you know, where there's other women and there's aunties and nanas and nieces that can connect. And the same for men where men can have that kind of male peer support as well.
0: Could you tell me a little bit about the the transition to what you were developing before and how different it is now uh, with the pivot you've made with COVID to being
2: the, the Swam My Mob app? Well, originally it was built around social connection and, and understanding what connectivity means in Indigenous communities and understanding uh, really what um, do Indigenous um, people want from software and technology. And so it was really um, a series of workshops around the country that really informed what the um, design of the app looked like. So we just took on board everybody's input, and I guess if you can imagine, we never set out to do this, but it's a bit of a you know a black version of Facebook and LinkedIn, um, combining all these kind of um, all this information with all these kind of profiles and friendships and and understanding. Well, what does that mean? And originally we were hoping that it would be a platform to connect. All Indigenous people with other Australians, and and then the mob said, "No, look, we've got all those friends on Facebook. We don't need to connect with them. <laughs> on this app, this app is about us." And so we were okay. And then obviously there were also um, questions about connecting those um, mob who've been removed from their communities or families, and the Stolen Generation, um, and people trying to find their mob. So that was also part of this initiative to really try and have a platform where those Indigenous people could connect with each other and find their mobs as well and reconnect. And that's really what this whole platform was about. It's about digital land rights, because we know that even like in 2015, when we were actually writing this grant, there was an app available on the Amazon and the Apple store and Google store which was about, uh, it was called Survival 3 Australia and it was about how you could bludgeon to death in Aborigine. And so we knew then that was the icing on the cake for us, even though it was horrific stuff to look at. I, you know, as a researcher, it was a dream come true because you thought, well, here's the evidence, right? Yeah. Um, what more? So we, we screenshotted all that and we sent that with our application to the government. And so we feel that that was really strong evidence and provided us the reason, the rationale why this was so important. And it's great to hear Kyle's work because I feel that that's also, and I'm looking forward to hearing Kayla's work, because I feel that this has really, you know, we know that um, we're on the right track here. Indigenous Australians are connected, young people, old people. And covid Coming back to the question why COVID, COVID um, offered us this gift, because it forced everybody to go online. The whole world shut down and went online, including Indigenous people and Indigenous Australians, um, the Aboriginal Medical Services, who are the real stakeholders here in, in primary health care in these communities. We're paying you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to use telehealth products, and so this was also an opportunity for us to help reduce the burden of cost, which also impacts on indigenous people and their health and their well being and so this platform we're hoping that all Aboriginal medical services around the country will take it up eventually because we'll reskin it for them. And as we're learning what this service particularly wants, the Southwest AMS, the SWAMS, is that they're providing us more input because we never designed the app around a medical service. So now it's taking a whole new life and a whole new identity and, and it's really giving us a whole new perspective on what the research really means.
0: So, Kayla, open up our songlines for me. What is it that it offers once you're inside?
1: So, it's currently a web browser. So, you can go in there and you open it up and it's got a map of Australia. Overlaid on top of that is the 500 or so different nations that are Aboriginal nations within Australia. From the very get-go, we wanted to make sure that people were learning about Indigenous culture from Indigenous people. So we were really passionate about making sure that it was a true account of Australian Aboriginal culture. So that's why we chose the name Our Sublines. It starts people thinking from, from the start. But when you go through it, you can select point of interest and you can navigate to where you're standing or different places around Australia and you'll see Aboriginal symbols which are used to identify different landmarks. So we've got things like meeting place symbols um, which are traditional Aboriginal symbols and that will highlight an Aboriginal meeting place or gathering place and then it really highlights any Aboriginal owned businesses or cultural centres that focus on Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander culture.
0: So what was the origin? What was happening that motivated you to build it in the first place?
1: So that stems from me being a young person and trying to connect to culture. I was born in Darwin in the Northern Territory, and I had all my family around me. It was filled with culture. I was never the odd one out. And then when I was eight or so, I moved to on land on the Mornington Peninsula, and there was no other Aboriginal people. Uh, And I found that it was really difficult for me to transition into that different world. So I really lacked being able to get that Aboriginal culture and be around Aboriginal people, and I felt really isolated in those teenage years. So what I wanted to do was make sure that that wasn't going to happen again, I wanted there to be options for our Indigenous young people to be able to connect to places and be able to easily identify their history, um, where they can go to meet people, all those sorts of things. And then I quickly realised that non-Aboriginal people also want the chance to experience culture and there's a real growing need for that education, especially in schools and things. Teachers always reach out to me to try to learn a bit more and to be able to find places around them. So it really expanded into just a one-stop shop to take big data, condense it down into bite-sized usable information for anyone to be able to read and understand.
0: What's the response been like, Kayla?
1: It's been really good. It's been mainly uptaken from teachers and travellers. I've had people reach out to me and be really surprised about what's around them and excited that you know, that they've got opportunities to see things. I've even had people reach out with different sites that they know about and uh, different businesses that they know about and giving me the info to put it onto the map ourselves. So it's been, that's what I really wanted for it, that it would become community-based and be really run in in that um, reciprocal kind of community aspect that Indigenous values are outlined with.
0: And that's really an idea that I think runs throughout all of your, your projects. I mean, community seems to be built in at the very, very core. Kyle, tell me a little bit about how it is the response has been to Pearly.
3: Yeah, so we actually had a decent start. We only started marketing in May this year. It took two years to build the, the bloody tech. So it's, quite <laughs> to. Um, so it's nice to actually get it out there. Um, we've had about uh, three and a half thousand downloads in the first month. Really good cost per installation. We're learning a lot. So we're, we're looking at the feedback. We're improving the app all the time. Uh, we also started selling our own line of home teeth lighting kits. We share the profits with a dental charity. They're starting to sell really well. It's been a good start.
0: And how about for you, Christopher? I mean, obviously, you've been through this post-COVID pivot. How has been the life of this service after that pivot?
2: Well, look, they're still going through um, the COVID um, experiences um, as well. You know, obviously WA's had some cases here, so there's been a lockdown, and I think that um, from the feedback from the service itself, the staff. The staff are actually the ones who are um, using the app at the moment. So they're getting on and, and using uh, putting all the content in. So we're still um, uploading all this uh, information. They have eight clinics uh, around the southwest region. We want to make sure that when the app does go live uh, within the next six months, that it's actually busy. You know, when people go on, they can see that there's other people inside the app and that there's um, activity and there's traffic and there's information there. So when the users come on, they know they're not just going in there and there's spin effects kind of going around and no one's actually (laughs) using the app. And and I think this is really important um, when, you know, other um, software developers, um, Indigenous people are, are thinking about creating their own startups um, and and businesses um, using technology. There is a big fail um, dropout of these applications being uptaken for a whole number of reasons. And so I feel that when we targeted the um, Aboriginal Medical Service here in in, um, Bunbury, we knew that they had a captive audience, if I can put it that way. They have 4,000 people on their books at the moment, but with the regionalisation of their services throughout the whole Greater Southern is that they will end up with about um, another 7,000 Aboriginal people using their clinics. And that means their technology Technology that we're creating for them. It's, it's also for them, it's about ownership, it's about custodianship, that data sovereignty. It's all those kind of ethical issues around um, uh, the trust and, uh, you know, then obviously the, the rapport that they have with their clients, because that's why the clients go to the service. And so I, I feel that from a, a technology point of view, from a research point of view, they're, they're the ones who will make it work they will be the ones to promote it not everybody's going to be um wanting to take up the app and it's a, it's an option it's not every, not everybody's being forced to do it but i guess it's more for people uh, who want to and feel comfortable about using these types of digital platforms particularly during COVID lockdowns and isolations, but also for consults. This app also will have video and it will have a chat and a booking system eventually. And it means that these clients can do all their bookings and consults on the app in the safety of their own home. What Carl has raised here is a really important issue in, in Aboriginal communities. There is really poor dental health. And dental health leads to chronic diseases and leads to early death rates. And that's what our people need to understand. And and it's really, really um, a serious issue. But of course, affordability is the other issue. It's great to hear that these um, applications are being built. Not all Aboriginal medical services have dental services available for them. So there's a whole range of issues. And this is really about complementing the work that these services do but also bringing innovation into this space where there's a better data collection, there's better digital capability and the workforce is increasing their professional understandings and education and career pathways for themselves. So, you know, this is just really the work that Kyle's doing and Kayla's doing is about reinforcing that just because we carry a mobile phone around and use technology doesn't make us any less Aboriginal it's reinforcing us being aboriginal
1: yeah there's definitely a um a fear almost of putting information out there or um Mm. you know being shame for you know being financially stable or you know sometimes people feel like you're selling out or Mm. um, that you're not being true you're not doing things for the right reasons Uh, so there is a lot of criticism that can come with aboriginal businesses and aboriginal people pushing this type of thing
0: Mm. how do you navigate that what are the what are the ways in which you sort of manage expectations and perceptions in that sense
1: I think having a really strong community around you is key. I make sure that I have really strong elders who I seek guidance from. My friends are all really supportive and strong in their values and it just really helps ground me to the the cause and the and the key values that I use, I make sure everything comes back to my values of reciprocity and equality and human rights and self determination. So as soon as something doesn't fit into all of those things, then I know that I'm not going down the right path and I, I correct things.
0: How about for you, Kyle? Does that does that ring true in terms of how you're navigating with Pearlie?
3: Um, yeah, definitely. I've sort of got a more of a public health impact uh, focus. Mm-hmm. I'm a public health academic previously. Something that I'm really interested in is software developers for a software company. If there are any uh, young Aboriginal software developers out there that want an internship or a job, please reach out to Pearly. Uh I'll give you a chance. Um, unfortunately, they're hard to find. There's a bit of work to do there in high schools and universities to increase the number of uh, Aboriginal software developers coming through, but there are a lot of good people working on that at the moment and I want to snap them up. Well, certainly before Chris yeah. gets to them
0: anyway. <laughs> I was yeah, and, all. and Kayla as well. <laughs> certainly before Chris and Kayla get to snap them up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'd also like to extend
3: that out. Uh, the same offering as fairly. I got in first, thank
0: you. Well, let's, no, well, actually, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the pipeline of talent, right? You are Indigenous-owned and run businesses, but you want to be able to have a range of people with skills working on the team, and that includes coders and developers. So where are the gaps in talent acquisition? Where are the gaps in, in people that, that, that need to be filled? Um, Kayla, are you seeing the same thing that, that Kyle's saying?
1: Yeah, IT, software development, anything in that space is really hard to come by. And when there is someone who does it, the the big large companies are going to snap them up straight away with the highest pay rates. So mm. to be able to get in there is is really difficult. So um I think making more opportunities available in those spaces and you know get more coders and software developers out there is a very big need at the moment.
2: Absolutely and there's um, a, a lot of effort has gone into trying to recruit more Indigenous um, students, particularly in, into um, university uh, technology, IT programs, engineering and, and we, we um, have a good number of Indigenous students that um, identify in the faculty Um, in in engineering and IT where I am at UTS but we obviously do struggle. Um, There's a lot of challenges and and that's across the whole board and I think you know part of this is about creating incentives and encouraging um, Indigenous students to um, take up IT or engineering.
0: Carl what are the other technical hurdles that that still need to be leapt in order to, to have more successful apps like yours?
3: The greatest barrier to actually doing machine learning, artificial intelligence, isn't actually the code, the algorithm. It's getting access to data. Um, in Australia, we're really bad at sharing data, particularly health data. There's a lot of privacy issues around that. That was why it took us so long to develop our technology. We're just collecting a data set. So that's the first barrier. The second was get paying the dentist to label every image which took three minutes per image And dentists are not cheap. Mm. So there are two big hurdles. That's why it took so long to develop a labelled data set. And then the algorithm was pretty easy, relatively. That's just a common barrier in all AI.
0: It's really interesting. How about for you, Kayla? What are the barriers that still need to be leapt in order to have more successful things like our songlines?
1: there's a huge gap in what data is available and when it is available, it's super hard to consume. So um, it's not readily available for just anyone to pick up and understand. And unfortunately that is how Indigenous data is at the moment. You know, we're starting to get brilliant people like Bruce Pascoe coming in and educating in simplified language, but there's still a huge gap of what's available and really digging up that history and knowledge. And then when there is that, I think we all all know the um, public criticism that can come from an Aboriginal person putting themselves out a bit too much. So there's those kind of cultural things as well.
0: What changes that? What will have to shift in, in culture for that to no longer be the case?
1: I think it's us doing what we're doing and really um, breaking down those barriers i think that just us three all (laughs) challenging those kind of um, norms and making things available on technology which is not something that was very accepted Um, so yeah i guess it's just continued normalizing of that data and the information and being really sensitive when possible
0: What is your hopes for our songlines? I mean, you're relatively new in the grand scheme of things, but where do you want it to be in four or five years' time, Kayla?
1: So the overall vision of our songlines is to make it impossible for people not to be able to educate themselves. I'd like the app to be in every school. I would like everyone to use it first when travelling around Australia knowing whose country they're on, knowing what's available, really building up that Indigenous economy by just knowing where things are. Because at the moment, people just don't know what's available and what's out there. And I think that as soon as that's out and available, people will come.
0: And Christopher, for you, what is the the hurdle that needs to be leapt in order to have more successful Indigenous-run, Indigenous-owned apps?
2: I think there's three major things, and that's commitment, overcoming fear, and, and building that trust. they're important things um, particularly from well from a research perspective, when you're approaching these communities and these organizations, it's really about developing um, that trust, overcoming that fear, but being committed to the challenges that a lot of communities uh, organizations face and often in, in Aboriginal communities and organizations it's really the lack of funding. but it's also about ensuring that there's trust, from government and trust from other donors who want to support Indigenous communities, that they also must overcome their fears and they have to be committed. And we know that that government is committed to improving Indigenous Australian people's lives. That's why we got our funding. And I'm, I and I know that, um, you know, just pro- professionally and personally. But in terms of going into the future, preparing our um, younger generation and it's great to see Carl and Kayla, who are much younger than me, doing these uh, amazing initiatives and, and taking up those challenges. But also I'm sure they've gone through their own fears about failures and um, there's also this idea of the imposter syndrome and overcoming that. We all face it in our lives and particularly when we're students and doesn't make us any less Aboriginal being successful. And, and being those business people and being those academics and going to university, and that's what we want to tell young people, that this is about their future and we know they're using technology, so rather than playing their games all day and being on Facebook, um, you know, build those um, products. Get out there and, and understand how do they actually can build those games and create their own social platforms like Kayla and like Kyle are doing. And so we want to support those startups. We want to support those entrepreneurships. So that's really why, where I feel, you know, as an academic, that's where my strength is, is being in the university sector and driving change from within as well. Because these universities need to see that Aboriginal people, Indigenous Australians, are the first scientists The first technologists, the first engineers, the first mathematicians, the first medical people, the first architects, because that's how we survived for over 65,000 years.
0: A huge thank you to all of you. Christopher Lawrence from UTS, Dr. Carl Turner, the CEO and co-founder of Pearly and Kayla Carplidge, founder and CEO of our Songlines. All of you, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so
1: much much for having us. Thank
0: you. And with that, I shall leave you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Download This Show.